Thundergrunt. Hey everyone, this is John. Before you dig into this episode, you should know that it is a very spoiler-heavy conversation about the new film Suicide Squad. So the best scenario would be you see the film, then you listen. But hey, do what you want. Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And I can take or leave it if I please. Hello. All right, welcome to Movie Smoothie. This is episode 168.5, a very special episode that we are doing a phoner uh, interview, or a phoner, phoner interview, phoner conversation. Phoner podcast, phoner episode. Phoner, yeah, a little discussion um, about Suicide Squad. But before we get to that, uh, I'm Steve. I'm John. I'm Ron. I was thinking for this episode, it would be great if when we say our names, it freezes on our faces and you see our powers and then the limits of our powers and then maybe a little vignette that that, that tells our backstory really quick and how we got to be on this episode, that how we got to be part of this ragtag team on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like someone should be sitting there with a, with like a dossier, a nice binder full of information on us. That's like Mark, like it says top secret on the outside of it. Right. It has to in like block print. It has to. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, welcome to episode 168.5. We're going to be talking about uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I guess it's the, the, the officially the third film in this DC uh, cinematic universe? universe. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you um, use that term loosely, right? Yeah I, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's what they're, they're, they're working towards. I mean, they've got that, that whole roadmap laid out that... I think with this movie, you can at least say, I was trying to think of like, what's the upshot for sure of this movie? Like, love it or hate it. At this point, it feels like they have a universe now. Do you know what I mean? At this point, it feels like they've established enough of what they're trying to do, that there's a universe. I don't know what, I don't know what to make of it, <laughs> but there's definitely, there's definitely a, a plan to connect these things and, and you can see them starting to do that, but it's, yeah. Yeah, you say it's upshot, I say it's more of a... A dead shot. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean for oh, the good. studio, if they were trying, if they were trying yeah, to put one yeah. more foot forward, this is one more foot forward. But I, I don't really know what the direction of it is. And I think that if we were going to get one thing out of the way with this movie, uh, it's just I think we all went into it. The three of us went into it with this very high consciousness of it as a load bearing film for DC. And I think a lot of people were talking about it as the movie that could kind of maybe redeem the 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 DC attempt at at I keep you know I don't want to say repeating the success of Marvel but trying to do that Marvel thing of we've got a series of movies and here's some new characters and we're going to get you excited it felt like this was their attempt to to kind of right the ship in a way it felt yeah. like a fresh slate in a lot of ways Definitely. and so I think I went into this movie putting a lot of pressure on it um, and I had to kind of separate my expectations from the actual movie as we were watching it I don't know if that was did that kind of loom large for you guys as you sat down to watch it I think actually like probably halfway through the day that we saw it it kind of was setting in for me as I was reading some of the reviews that were coming out since like uh, the embargo kind of was lifted that same day that we saw it but um yeah, I don't know. Like, it just was like a. I had that feeling in the middle of that day, just kind of like, okay, I need to check this because, because on one hand, it, it it is that like you know, are they trying to, you know, they're trying to get into that that groove that Marvel has, but it's also just like the expectations of. Uh, not only are they going to get into that groove, but like, 
could they have like a really great movie? You know what I mean? Like, I think regardless of whether you think this movie is good or bad, kind of like what John was saying, I, I think it does like uh, it does successfully kind of open the world up to let them kind of usher in these standalone films or even the Justice League film. But it does create that universe. I had some high hopes. I mean, only because this was the first of the DC movies that had so many stars in one movie. I mean, that, you know, Will Smith being in it is pretty huge. Viola Davis. I, I thought that when I, I saw them and then Jared Leto and, and uh, Margot Robbie, those are the, the few that stood out to me as, as a project that I thought that they were putting them in the movie because it, to give it some legitimacy. So I, I think part of that kind of started to affect me too towards the closer closer we got to the movie because it, it this this movie means so much more to its franchise to the whole DC universe than say like if if there were a shitty I mean it probably would never happen but if there were a shitty Captain America I don't think it would destroy the whole structure of the universe that they're creating no single movie would do that in the Marvel momentum just because there's been such a storied history at this point of just quality, you know, average to above average movies. DC, on the other hand, has had this shaky, shaky, shaky two movies. And then one that is even more obscure because of some of the production things we'd heard about. Some of the weird stuff with Jared Leto's fake thing that I, that came turned out to be like a real thing that I predicted months <laughs> ago. Um, there's something about the momentum of this movie that didn't feel quite as good. It felt very manufactured as opposed to it being like a natural, like, okay, this is going to be a cool-ass movie. It, it felt like a lot of the promotion was doing the legwork for it instead of it just being a good movie. So that was scary for me. It's almost like it wasn't free to just be a good movie in terms of that sort of hype and in terms of like having gone into it with some of that feeling of, I hope this is good because... I think it would be a step in the right direction for for this whole slate of films that we know is coming. And I guess at this point, we know the next few are coming no matter what. Yeah. But I, I wonder, I mean, we saw the film the day that a lot of the reviews came out, as Steve mentioned. And so I, I tried to clear my mind of that stuff. I don't read a lot of critics, but I do sometimes look at the, the kind of aggregate, and then I'll read a couple of people who I think write about movies in a thoughtful way. Um and so I kind of went into it going, too many people whose opinion I sort of semi-trust had, had said it was not great. And I think we were saying, uh, it's a bad sign when nobody is saying that it's great. But you, but you still sit down with the hope, and we've discussed this many times on the show too, you sit down with that hope of like, you're a 10-year-old and you hope it's going to be the coolest movie you ever saw. Right. So I always clear the slate when the, when the movie starts. And I feel like from the first seconds, I started feeling like, and I know this is a weird thing to say, and I don't want to get in the habit of dinging people who are trying too hard, but I felt like this movie was trying so hard to be cool and to be like in my face that it really struck me as sort of hollow, and you said manufactured, I think, Ronald. Mm -hmm. But for me, it felt very forced. It felt like a lot of the elements, the the heart, the kind of friendships, the camaraderie, the one-liners, so much of it really felt forced and shoehorned in, and I felt like it was this onslaught of these forced moments. And... um. It did have a style to it that was not totally separated from what I like 
about uh, the films I've seen of David Ayer. Oh, the one film, actually, I saw of his, uh, which was Fury. I, I haven't seen End of Watch yet, and I feel like I, I wanted to see it before we talked about this tonight, but I didn't have time. But I'll check it out as soon as I can, because I liked Fury, and I liked what he was able to do with the intensity of that material. And I thought he was going to bring, I thought he was going to bring some of that to this, and it just didn't quite translate. He seemed to me like another well-intentioned, decent director who's kind of overwhelmed by the the giant studio machinery when it's time to turn in one of these tentpole films. And then hearing about the reshoots, and there were various reports uh, about whether they were reshooting it to make it more more audience-friendly and to make it more funny or upbeat, or whether they were reshooting it to beef up the action scenes. And I could watch the movie and believe that both of those things happened, that they punched up the, the humor and they punched up the action, and that in both cases it just made the soup more like bland and gray things just didn't really connect well to each other and i i did feel the sort of the bad effect of that kind of probable late in the development process or late in the production process like th- there was an attempt to shoehorn some things in and change some things around and i can't pinpoint what it is but it did feel sort of like a hodgepodge yeah uh, well one thing i was saying to uh you guys before we started this is this feels like um a movie that would have worked okay so I think that uh, sometimes when I think about periods of time that are pretty defining, obviously the Christopher Nolan movies had a huge impact on a direction of comic book movies in general. Just the idea that like it, it's it's grounded in the reality. It's it's serious, but it, it can have some light moments. But the tone is generally kind of dark. That change pretty much set the pace for everything that we're seeing now. Now, when I think about what Suicide Squad is, it harkens back to, like, 95, 96, when mm-hmm. a comic book movie had a, a, a special edition cup at McDonald's. Yeah. It had a, you know, it had a a commercial for some shoes. It had all these things. It's shot in a way that feels very commercial. It's like every couple minutes feels like a commercial for something. These these like little snippets of dialogue that are just isolated and could be put into a compilation for a commercial, a Pepsi commercial, a McDonald's commercial for a special mug. This movie feels very 90s to me. The beats of the movie feel very 90s. The costumes feel very 90s. And it's almost like David Ayer is, is saying, whatever idea there was about a comic book movie, Right. This modern version of it, whatever it is, it it doesn't follow that. And I don't know if that's a good thing. It 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 could have been a good version of it, but it's not. Well, I I don't know how intentional that would be to make it seem like kind of what is considered now to be sort of a bad era for superhero films, but I'm sure you'll <laughs> find people that would pinpoint those movies as being fun and I think certain people are okay with the kind of campy aspects. Uh, I mean, this movie had a lot to try to do. It had a lot. It expected you to swallow a lot from the beginning. You know, a lot of new characters, a lot of new situations. And and yet it also had a concept that it kept kind of reiterating, even though you come into the theater knowing what the basic concept of this thing is. The marketing was was very successful in making me think it was going to be kind of a... I mean, I hate to say this because I, I really do want to get past the Marvel aspect of the like the competition. I want to deal with what this movie is on its own. But I do I do think it was not hard to think of this as DC's attempt to kind of create a Guardians of the Galaxy type scenario where you have sort of outcast characters 
and they're they're kind of roguish and you can you know introduce a bunch of new people and throw them together and have them be these these electric personalities and i think they did a pretty fair job of casting those those people and i think some of the characters really did pop for me i thought that uh margot robbie as you know as much as you could analyze various things about that character all day, I think she was great. Uh, I think Will Smith was trying very hard with some, some, sometimes some kind of thin gruel when it comes to the script, but he was, he was acting in an ensemble and kind of doing what he does well, and yet it did have sort of an edge to it. So there were elements that were working, but I, I just don't know that the that there was ever much of a handle on the content. And I think that you can look at Guardians of the Galaxy and say that it very elegantly introduced five or six new characters in the space of 15 or 20 minutes, and you were off to the races. And this movie really struggled to do that in its opening third or quarter. And and for me, that's when the movie kind of started to lose me, was when it, it just was... I, I call it the, the birdcage uh, syndrome, which is that, that movie, The Birdcage, with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, you know? Mm where Nathan Lane, they're a gay couple, and because their son's um, like in-laws are coming and, and they're very conservative, they have to pretend to be a heterosexual couple, so Nathan Lane's going to be in, in drag <laughs> and they're going to be you know acting. And that premise is sold in the trailer. The movie takes like over an hour to get to that premise, you know, to get to the moment that the trailer sells you. And I felt very much that way, not quite an hour, but it was about 30 minutes into Suicide Squad when they were still saying... You mean you want to assemble a team of bad guys to do what's right? You know, I just felt like that point was so hammered home. I don't know how they could have done it quicker, but I think there, there is a way. Guardians of the Galaxy proves that you can sketch in very simple characters in, in a few minutes and get going with the story and not have to spend so much time kind of decorating this, this sequence at the beginning of this movie that, that felt like it was trying to compress a lot of material down to... I don't know if they just shot two hours worth of stuff and compressed it down to a half hour. Yeah, it felt like too much. The, the key in what Rana was saying, like, about the 90s vibe, which I definitely agree with, is that not... Like, I, I, I guess the bad thing and the good thing is, is that, like, they definitely... Some of those develop, like, that cult status or, you know, they kind of have that campiness where people follow it and, and, and now they can say they enjoyed them. But, like... I guess the problem with it is, is that, you know, I think that was also a time, like I think someone already said, that they, they just didn't know how to make them well. And I think now there's such a bar for these kinds of movies, not just like, you know, you can say like the Christopher Nolan effect and you can say, I mean, specifically because of these other of, of DC characters, but even the Marvel effect, like, you know, they've managed to so successfully introduce some pretty outstanding ideas in these movies that aren't like very grounded and aren't very like gritty or anything like that. And I think that, you know, the, the guardian of the galaxy comparison is, is absolutely accurate. But the, the key with guardians is that like, I feel like if you, you could really, you could really make a case and say that movie is totally like an eighties action adventure movie. That movie is totally like a nineties action adventure movie. You know, like it, it really, it really is timeless in the sense that like, it not only sells the action, the comedy, the adventure, the drama, you know, the 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 ensemble cast and like John, you you know, you, you hit it on the head, like being able to effectively introduce them quickly and you know, you get that download of who they are and what they mean to us and to each other. And then and then the movie just takes over. Where like I felt like with Suicide Squad, I don't know how many times Deadshot was like introduced to me. You know, like the movie opens on him, then we get his little title card, and then we get another thing about the flashbacks and with Batman, and I don't know. I just, I just feel like it, they spent so much time 
like telling us about all these characters and there were so many of them, which is, you know, that's the challenge of doing this with the third movie in your universe. I, I think I just genuinely believe they don't know what they're doing right now. I, I don't think they know what they want to do. Like in terms of tone, like it's obvious in, it, at points in the movie, in this film that like, you know, the, the Zack Snyder aesthetic is completely sold across this world, you know, of DC films. And I mean, that's, you can argue if that's a good or a bad thing, but like that sounds pretty in line with a lot of David Ayer's films because a lot of his films are pretty gritty and pretty dark and pretty, you know, um, I don't know, violent. Um, but then, you know, you just have these moments in the movie where like, like I, I know the lines that Ronald's thinking of when he thinks about those nineties you know, bad superhero movies like 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 those zingers or the one-liners. Anything Killer Croc said yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, everything he said, and I mean, even some of the stuff that like I feel like every character had like a line that was like probably lifted from one of the movies that we were talking about earlier that were like those '90s comic book adaptations that were just bad. And it's just it's just so weird to me to think about how much time and money and the reshoots and. The you know the change ups at you know at Warner Brothers and at DC and all this stuff to kind of course correct what's going on, and it just feels like there's so much going on that it's making it worse. Because like, I mean, what what are your what is your take on the three that are out there now? Is this the worst of the three? That's a really good question. Yes, yes, it is definitely and, the worst. And, of the and three. what is the best of the three? Ooh. What do you think, John? What I mean, what what do you feel about that? Because this, this is an important point that I'm going to try to make. It, it depending on how you answer this. I very seldom say something is bad and just turn turn somebody and say that was bad. But last night I turned to Ronald and said that was bad. I mean, I said it like an arrow was in my heart as I said it. You know, I really didn't didn't believe it would be bad. But at the end, I had that reaction, and at that moment, I thought. It was not as good as Batman versus Superman, which is saying a lot because I didn't think that was a good movie. And and after a day of kind of thinking about it and thinking about how this movie could be fun to someone who isn't thinking about those expectations, who isn't thinking about like how is this sustainable, isn't thinking about what DC's cinematic universe or whatever is trying to do. And and I thought, well, you know, in that case. I can't really say that it was any better or worse than Batman versus Superman. So I think that you almost have a three-way tie. I think Man <laughs> of Steel, Man of Steel slightly edges out to the top oddly for me because I had the least feeling of utter disappointment when I saw it. <laughs> Whereas Batman versus Superman really disappointed me and so did this. Man of Steel felt like a a weird thing to do if you were starting a new universe, you know, with Superman and everything. Mm -hmm. Um but Batman versus Superman felt like a fall off a cliff uh, as far as what it could have been. And then this to me didn't feel like a fall off a cliff, but it felt like scrambling. I, I just don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I guess my, my point in asking the question, like I was, I was curious if one of you would say Man of Steel is the quote of quote best of the three. Well, I sort of did. Yeah. I hemmed and hawed, but ultimately I said that. That's kind of what I was going to get at too. Like, you know, I feel like when that came out and like Batman versus Superman came up and everything, like there was even there were talks already then about like how to fix what people were criticizing about Man of Steel. And I, I, I like I just feel like it's like it's it's just like a snowballing into make like like the movie makes less sense and it's messier and there's no real tonal commitment to it. 
I don't know. I, did, I just feel like they're literally like just splitting everything apart and trying to do anything that like that that sticks. Like they're just throwing everything at the movie and like what sticks sticks. Like okay, Will Smith and, and Margot Robbie are, are good in the movie. You know, I guess in my opinion, I feel like they're better than the role that they're playing, which is like making those roles stand out because they're like you know the stars of the movie they're honest to gosh stars in the sense that you can't not watch them when they're when they're doing their thing they're magnetic i I just like are they that great in the movie or is the rest of the movie just that bad that they kind of shine and i don't know that that's not true i mean i i I think back i was like thinking about it more today and like i kind of became more critical of like how in and out like margot robbie's like accent was like going so deep into like that, that Brooklyn or like that New York, New Jersey accent. And the next minute she just like, doesn't have it. Yeah. And it's just like little things like that were just coming up. And like a lot of Will Smith's little one liners. Like, it just sounds like every other, like, you know, character. I feel like that Will Smith, like, you know, I've said last night, Mike Lowry, like from, it's like Mike Lowry was an assassin is what Deadshot is pretty much. Like he, he's got like this, a little backstory about his daughter and he cares about his daughter. And I'm just like, but I mean, like, what does that have an impact on the movie at all? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just, the more I, the more I thought about it today, the more convinced I was that it is, it was like that it was everything like that. I was completely justified in feeling as negative as I did walking out of the theater. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the Margot Robbie thing kind of made sense to me just cause her character in general is like an act. So, you know, her kind of going in and out of character was something that's always kind of happened. Even, well, the anime, I used to watch a ton of the animated series. So, like, I I get it, but the inconsistency was there, and I don't know what that had to do with. But and, I've, and you you remember that from the cartoon that, like, she would go in and out of having, like, she a, was like an actual accent? Basically, I, it was I, don't, a, I don't remember that. Basically, our personality was an act. So like when when right. she was calm and things got serious, it was just like a re- her regular voice. It was it was like a toned down, not so heavy accent version of of that. Whenever she got like cornered, basically. So I mean, I I mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that was. I mean, I, it didn't it didn't really strike me as something that was so weird. Is I, I wish that I had time to pay attention to how bad I, I always thought. From um, the goddamn was it was it Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, she did that too. So she did, she did. She and did I, and that's kind lot. of what I'm saying is like, yeah. I, so. I, I don't know that I'm convinced that like I, I did like her a lot. I'm not taking anything away from like her being a bright spot in the movie, yeah. but like I, the more I thought about that, I thought about Wolf of Wall Street and like I, I didn't know it was that. Maybe it was intentional, like your suggestion. Maybe it was like. I just I just didn't know like you know in the Harley Quinn character that this doctor changed into you know after her relationship with the Joker like I I don't I didn't feel like cons- a consistent performance like vocally in the film yeah. um uh, maybe that was intentional I don't know but uh it would also just seem like that's also like a random thing to be like go ahead and do that cuz that's like cool and that's like <laughs> people aren't going to notice that <laughs> Well it's it's very weird for her to be I mean Watching the trailers, she seems so blatantly like sexualized, yeah, and and in a way and in a violent way, and in a way that made it seem like just with what I knew about her backstory that she had been like manipulated and kind of brainwashed and and 
it it made me think, well, how is the movie going to turn that on its head? Or how is any movie that comes out in 2016 going to present a character like that who may very well turn out to be like the cosplay character for the next five years, you yeah. know? Right. Uh, like, and not have this kind of murky past. And I guess I'm just a square because I think that's part of the appeal of the character that she's so twisted. And the movie really did nothing to to sort of come out of that impression that I had, that she was sort of a damaged person who was the way she was because she was damaged by this monster. And I, I didn't know... It made me feel just kind of gross about their love. Right. Yeah. Um, I, it just felt like a... A lot of it feels like it just wasn't really well put together. And, and it just felt like it was just something to do. Like, that's that's the issue. None of that's... There weren't any pivotal moments that had really cool defining moments for these characters that felt that like they were strong enough moments that we could have done without done without them. I mean, like, I, I don't know. The Joker, Harley Quinn stuff was not strong enough that it felt good. It felt very weird. It felt like, especially since every time Joker came on screen, it was kind of unbearable. Her kind of pining after him for the whole movie didn't feel as good as it it could have in a in a good version of a movie where you know he he created her obviously and she's she's very loyal and he loves her to death but it's kind of abusive and weird and i don't know i've seen i've seen standalone versions of harley quinn that i thought were really cool and this i think she could have been really good in a another version of this movie i i, I I don't know. It was so everything felt so watered down and weird and not developed enough that I I didn't even have enough time to invest emotion in any any single moment that had to do with her or Joker or anything else. And it felt like the flashbacks were better than their actual interactions on screen. What do you guys think of Jared Leto's uh, uh, take on the Joker? Nope. (laughs) Is nope. I never thought I'd ever watch a movie where I. I counted down the moments for the person to leave the scene. I never felt so like compelled. I was I was disgusted by his performance. It was it was kind of overblown. So, all right, just to give you guys some insight, um, a couple months ago when we were talking about the movie, the promotion for this whole thing was like you know Jared Leto's doing a bunch of crazy things to shock the cast, and I knew. That once I heard the same story told almost the exact same way from four or five different actors, that something about this felt very planted and it was a crutch for something else. And the more that I saw him on screen, it was very apparent to me that he was going to be horrible, really bad, really bad in this movie. And you were saying as you were watching him being horrible, it was apparent to you that he was going to be horrible? No, as I saw the the the... the more trailers for it. it it just one thing that has to be pretty established about this movie is there are a lot of lulls in it there are a lot of like scenes with just people walking it's 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 not using the screen time as effectively as it should you could get that performance out of any theater nerd if you gave him five minutes and said hey go come up with a take on the joker and come back into the room you know it, it was so underimagined the notion that he had to go into like some immersive character work and do all these crazy things and stay in character on set and all that kind of garbage that he had to do all that to do that to basically just do a, a high school talent show level impersonation of jim carrey from the mask 
that just felt like such a strangely self-regarding thing to do. And the way he has talked about it has been this life-changing experience. And it's a character that he can't wait to explore more. And I just thought it was outside of maybe the one scene with Ike Barinholtz, uh, where I felt like there was some real menace, and you may have mentioned that, Steve, that there was actually yeah, something in yeah. that scene. But I think it was just that maybe Ike Barinholtz was playing the skeezy guy who was in over his head pretty well. That that scene had a little pop to it. Because I think that you were sort of worried about that Ike Barinholtz character because he seemed like a guy who was destined any moment for yeah. like a sort of comeuppance. And it never really happened in the film, which is strange, because that was one of the few things that they set up well, was that that, that guy was cruising for a bruising, but it never seemed to happen. Now that you mentioned it, John, I think that Ike Barinholtz's character may have been the best character in the movie <laughs> for me uh i mean as far as as far as making you feel a certain yeah, way anything one way or the other yeah even even the sort of wafer thin story that can carry along one of these one of these you know superhero films this movie did not have any semblance of that for me it was it was it just kind of fell apart as i tried to think about it um and when they finally got to that final set piece i, I was so not invested in the fate of Midtown City, mid what was it called? <laughs> Midway City. Midway there was some City, name for yeah. the town, Midway City. You know, it it, I, it did not give me any sense of the place or of the people or of what was going on. And uh, not that I wanted like a survey of the town, but I'm just saying it did. It never really felt like there were any particular stakes as to what was being destroyed. Right. Yeah. I would say that as much as I enjoyed uh, Ghostbusters 2016, I also think that's a movie where you can see where reshoots and rewrites, you can see a lumpy structure that amounts in kind of a nothing of a climax. And for some reason that didn't keep me from enjoying that film because I thought it was funny enough and there were certain elements that kept me going. But this movie just, it's like it totally, it just defied my my ability to like it at almost every turn because there were so many nonsensical transitions. You were commenting, Steve, on... Uh, the, the scene in the bar where it seems like Captain Boomerang leaves the team and then they are walking down the street in a really unnecessary kind of shot that seems like it's shot just for a trailer yeah. where they're walking down the street in formation, kind of yeah. in slow motion, which Definitely. is also, again, feels like a ripoff of Guardians of the Galaxy, which when they did it, it didn't feel like the most original thing in the world. Um, walking down a hallway or walking down the street, you know, in slow motion. And he's suddenly with them again. And it just was like... I was thinking, yeah, that was such a that just feels like one of those things where reshoots and edits and things that happened in the process of finishing the movie just produced this, you know, almost like a a, a dream logic <laughs> sort of storyline. Does anybody have any particular highlights or any favorite parts that you really feel like need celebrating? <laughs> oh boy, um, um the only part that like I, it was like a, a quick scene that I think we discussed all kind of being into was. Like the in, the introduction into uh, June and her change over to Enchantress at that meeting, like you know, just when she first mentions the name and you know you kind of see the hand on the table and it kind of kind of reaches up from under her to turn over and you know the change happens instantly. That was a really cool shot and a pretty pretty good a, a pretty cool scene actually. But that would like that's one of the few that really stand out to me at all i mean because like you know the problem too is is that a lot of the scenes have been played so heavily in the trailers that like when you realize as you're watching the movie that the trailer was better than the movie those scenes really aren't that great anymore like when you realize that you know the parts are, are greater than the sum it's just like it it's just a bad feeling like and when you start picking up one like oh that scene was funny but that was in the trailer too and usually, usually that's like the the case, like when a lot of these comedies come out. And I mean, like a lot of the scenes that were in the trailer that play so well are are 
are, are a lot of them are comedic, but I mean, it, it, the movie just loses so much steam, at least for my experience. Like when, when you start to realize that like a lot of the scenes that are the standouts, like I just, I, I saw, you know, in every trailer or sizzle reel or promo spot that I saw for this movie. Um, but that, yeah, I guess that one was probably one of the, one of the cooler scenes. And, and I guess the scene when, when Batman kind of dives down and gets her in the ocean and like, you know, he, he, it's, it's horrible, but like when he punches her in the face, I thought that scene was pretty funny. Um, well, I mean, it was funny in the sense that we know that theoretically Harley Quinn is, I mean, as, as badass as she may be, she's, she's sort of punching above her, her, her weight. Yeah, absolutely. So for him to be able to knock her out is, is sort of, it, it keeps Batman intact. It doesn't really do anything to hurt Harley Quinn. And At it all. It makes her character kind of comedic. Um, but no, I agreed. I liked that moment. I liked that scene. I, again, that's part of the whole DC as a universe now. I liked the way that it did feel like they were throwing us in and, and some of that stuff was working for me. I, I really, I, it, so much of it was hindered by, by my, just just not enjoying <laughs> the the Joker, but I I enjoyed the way Batman kind of showed up uh, in a couple points in the story. Um, yeah. No no single story really stuck with me. Um, well, there was the guy with the fire that that had the the tragedy with his family that he reveals later, and they the footage that they showed of him killing the people in the yard with the fire didn't even feel good. Like it was all these things that should have been cool moments just weren't conveyed as well as they should have. What did you guys think of Jai Courtney? Uh, having seen him in so many movies where it seems like they're really trying to make this guy a star, what did you think of this movie where I think it may be the first time in a major film he's spoken with his, his actual Australian accent? I liked him. Stop trying to make Jai Courtney happen. <laughs> you don't like it? I, I, I had nothing against him personally, but like I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think, if, he's, if he just hasn't gotten the right vehicle, you know, the right star or whatever it is, like, uh... Uh, he's not it's not clicking for him um I, I yeah I, don't, I yeah I don't know I was not a fan of him in this movie or his character um who is serving three life sentences for robbing a bank <laughs> and who you have no explanation to why he carries a pink unicorn and um his skill is throwing boomerangs that he doesn't get half of them back in the movie that he throws. I know that bothered me in the end. I think it was kind of funny that he was pointless and I did sort of enjoy his kind of being a booze hound and sort of not connected to the story, but I just don't think the story was clearly drawn enough that that character really stood out. He felt like just another character who was kind of standing around because really on the face of it, this plan that the, that the government has when mm-hmm. they, when they enact this, what, what do they call it? Task force X or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It really felt like what did they? Th- how did they think that was going to work? It was so haphazard. They just had this crazy undefined threat, and they threw this group of people that have shown no cooperation yet or any ability really to discern between you know good and evil. It just felt like such a haphazard plan. And I know that's a little bit like criticizing uh, you know some some fantastical element of a movie that expects you to accept a, a crocodile man, but but for me that felt like I didn't understand why it. Like when the government was like, send in your team, it seemed to me like, whoa, 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 really? We're going to we're jumping to sending sending in six murderers with like baseball bats and handguns to stop what they don't even know. I kind of I, I kind of like took that as like her pitching this idea, getting the go ahead for it. But in the meantime, one of her assets actually creates the problem because of the way that she is abusing the power she has over her. 
and that you know you know what i mean like that 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 her abuse of like this control is what created or forced this enchantress or like this this character to just like become you know the villain of the movie and uh, i'm so stupid though <laughs> what really spoiled that for me was how just her at the end, the the ultimate villain. You yeah, know? yeah, horrible. Her like dancing awkwardly in front of that swirling vortex or whatever behind not, her. I, yeah, the um, vortex that like we you don't even know what it is. Like it's a machine that she's building because we love ma- machines now. So, what is that machine doing? Like, what is the threat that it poses? Maybe she's just collecting our recycling or something. You know, like what what's what's happening with that machine? <laughs> They didn't explain any of that stuff. This movie's not alone in terms of superhero films and and having an ending like that. But I I think, again, this movie needed something. So I hope that Wonder Woman, which seems like a much clearer shot, I hope that that has has more of a sensibility to it and more of a a refined mission in terms of what it's trying to do. Because thus far, these these last couple of movies feel like there's just there's just so much going on and there's no there's nobody there's no captain of the ship, it almost seems like. I feel like we were saying the same thing after Batman versus Superman, though, like about Suicide Squad. I mean, like, I just feel like we were like, hopefully that's the next one that's going to, you know, have direction or have the fun factor or have the entertainment value to it. Or I don't know. I I just feel like I I, kind of feel like my patience with it is kind of wearing out, if not having already worn out. Like, I, I just I just genuinely after seeing I mean, I actually think I do want to see this again. And I was just thinking I want to watch that ultimate or whatever cut of Batman it was like that came out. Um, I know Ronald, you saw that, but yeah, I, I kind of want to watch that again and then see this again, just to kind of have, be able to kind of look at the, both of these movies again. But I don't know, man. I just, I, the more I think about it today, I just, I, I, I do think I'm of the opinion that they do not know what the fuck they're doing. I think like, I, right. I, I, I genuinely think they're treading water and like betting on big international box office, big opening weekend, setting a record for August, which I'm sure Suicide Squad will do, and on to the next one. You know, maybe the next one. Because this is still be tracking huge, right? Yeah, like it's tracking like 140 million. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like not 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 that it's ridiculous that like people want to see it and whatnot. I mean, we having already seen it. I mean, we wanted to see it too. So let everybody have their chance to see it. You know, people will have their own opinions. And that's that's the great thing about it is that, like, you know, that's good that people want to see stuff like this. But I feel like they're going to they're screwing people over if, like, they keep going back to this well. And every time we go for this next shot at it, it's just not delivering. And eventually it's maybe that that long term universe that they have planned out is not going to actually happen. I mean, like if these movies they have to have one movie that like is a critical hit. I mean like they that do. audiences love. Like it has to it has to happen. And if it doesn't, I, I can't see these movies going through their entire you know timeline that they have laid out. I mean only right. but based off of based off a of box office maybe because like, like I said, like even those some of those movies we talked about in the 90s that weren't good, like you know, they still made money. A lot of them did, you know, and just like this will. But I don't know how it's going to sustain this thing, especially when Marvel keeps putting out quality movies. And um, like, and, and as I, I forget which one of you said it earlier, but the you know the fact that Marvel at this point could put out uh, and have put out mediocre films um, and subpar films that are like. <sighs> 
that like haven't hurt the overall momentum. I think is the word you use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that that is that like that is DC hasn't yet gotten to that point. They need they need to be on sure footing before before it won't really matter how an individual film performs sort of critically. Because I think there's a lot of people. There is sort of a backlash against critics. People who want to see these movies see those early critics reviews. There is this consensus, and the critics can often be wrong about this kind of this kind of film, this kind of big summer film. But I think in recent years you'll see that there will be there will be critics that do like a good popcorn movie, and it usually won't be so. Resistant soundingly negative if a movie is is very good i mean you know critics are you can take them or leave them but they're not just they're not idiots across the board right right but it does seem like there is a little bit of a groundswell just like there was before batman versus superman of this kind of negative reaction and then a a pre-defensive reaction of people who want to be fans of the thing but haven't seen the thing yet right so i think uh, you know the day this episode comes out uh which is when the movie is available to people I think we will see, I mean, maybe this weekend will be really strong, but do you think word of mouth can hurt a movie like this at this point, Steve? Or do you think at this point it's pretty it's pretty locked in because the marketing has been so effective and so ubiquitous and people don't really listen to critics? Yeah, I, you know, I do think it can hurt the lo- like the longevity of it. I, I think at this point the movie's going to open huge, like nothing, which is why, you know, even when they, I'm sure they have a sense that this movie's not going to get good reviews, like they're fine with people, you know, an embargo being lifted on, you know, four days before a movie comes out or whatever it was. Like they, they know that they have their weekend that they want at the point that they say, go ahead and release your reviews. Like it's not going to hurt us. But I mean, like the, the crowd word of mouth is what gives a movie legs. And I, I don't know. I'm very curious myself because. I mean, most of the people that we went with did not like the movie. A couple people thought it was fun. I mean, I've, I heard people afterwards saying they really liked it. I mean, I, I, I was actually surprised myself, like, how many people were talking positively about it. So I, I'm curious what, like, the exit scores are, you know, like the CineScore ratings and all that stuff this weekend to see. It's, it, it'll be another one of those things. If it's not a movie that, like, drops 55 to 60% in week number two, I will be shocked. Especially if it opens that big. And if it doesn't drop that much, then maybe I'm just out of touch with what the hell a good movie is. Because <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, Batman Batman like dropped like 60% or something like that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. it dropped pretty far. I read this Hollywood Reporter article that said that this thing has to make $750 million of break even. $750 million. Why is that? I think because of the advertising. Holy crap. The promotion, yeah, there's, it, yeah, is that it says one insider told the Hollywood Reporter the movie's got to do seven hundred fifty million, eight hundred million to break even. If they get anywhere near near that, they'll consider it a win. What the wow? Fu- How the fuck is that a thing? So they must have put a ton of money into marketing, if that's the case. Wow, but that's still know. ridiculous. That's crazy. Did the mid-credits teaser get you guys at all excited <laughs> for no. Justice League or did it seem to you like just a total rehash of Samuel L. Jackson coming out of the shadows <laughs> at the end of a Marvel film it's such a waste but there's so many of those post-credits or mid-credits scenes have they ever really added that much no I mean the falafel one the, the one where they're eating falafel at the end of, of Avengers I like that one. Yeah, that was a really good one. But that's the only one I can think of, honestly. I don't know. I'm I'm usually a fan of them. I mean, I, I kind of like them. I mean, I think, if anything, they're just kind of fun and or set something up. But, I mean, 
I guess what bothers me the most about this one is just like it's literally a redundancy of of the whole like Wonder Woman giving Bruce Wayne this you know digital download of all of the people that would be a part of Justice League. Like, there's nothing. I don't feel like. I think one of you mentioned like in case maybe somebody didn't see Batman versus Superman, maybe it's relevant to put that in there. But um, I, I just feel like there was probably so many better things they could have done to push this forward. Like, you mean when he has like a thumb drive already, it seems redundant to give him a binder, a three ring binder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get, I get that she loves binders, Mark Top Secret. But I mean, like the dude is a is a techie wizard, and he's got a a, a fob of like. You know, like video footage of all these people. He's not going to, you know, who's got a time to read that shit when you're trying to save the world? You know what I mean? But as, we, as you're saying, Steve, if you think of it as a little bonus for sticking around and not the actual end of the movie, it helps. Because oftentimes the, the movie ends and if it's really a good ending, you want to walk away with that moment. Oh, right, right. Anybody have any final thoughts about Suicide Squad? You didn't say your line, Ronald. I thought at some point you were going to say. Oh, man, I don't remember what I said. I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh, you mean to tell me this is some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, okay. Will Smith doing that every movie is so goddamn annoying. Does he actually do that every movie? He he manages to say something about the title in most of the movies. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, do you mean to tell me I'm an enemy of the state? <laughs> do you mean to tell me that we are bad boys? You mean to tell me this is bad boys too? <laughs> do you mean to tell me that we're bad boys too <laughs> comma two question mark <laughs> he does it every movie he does every movie we you should go what? back and make a super cut of all those from all we those movies. well i'd be curious to know if it's true but i but i did feel like that moment is that moment was a real groaner for me and i felt ronald just like crumple next to me when he did that so that must be like a pet peeve of yours this movie just made me really sad i think at the the bottom line is that DC is fucking up, like you're saying, and I don't understand how the person that did End of Watch, which is a really fucking good movie, and Fury, which is a very good movie, pulled this out of his asshole. Just doesn't feel like a really good movie, so. He's, he, I mean, he, he's made some bad ones, too, though, but I mean, he, you're right, though. I mean, I, I really enjoyed both those movies, and I mean, uh, didn't, he, didn't he also uh, write Training Day? Yes, and uh, Fast and the Furious, and I mean, he's got like his he's got his hands in a lot of different kinds of things, and yeah, yeah. But 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 they all kind of felt like they were kind of feeding into being a good choice for this kind of movie, because it really could. This is like probably one of them that really could be its own thing and not have to like satisfy. Or it, it, at at one point, it did not have to satisfy the expectations of like a Batman or a Superman or a Wonder Woman or whatever. Because these were characters that, like, maybe except for the Joker or Harley Quinn, weren't as, like, weren't these marquee characters, you know, much like Guardians was. And it just was, like, a, a good fit. Like, oh, this is going to be, this could be a lot of fun. And, like, kind of, and still be gritty and, like, rough and tumble. And, like, it, it just seemed like a good mix for being a movie about all these antiheroes. But it just, it, yeah, it, it something, something, something foul is at play. Well, I think that it, it based on the fact that Batman versus Superman didn't do what, what they wanted it to in terms of kind of capturing people's hearts and minds, you know, it made some money, but it didn't, uh, it didn't really tap into the zeitgeist or anything. I think that this movie went from a movie that was supposed to be that fun little diversion that you were just talking about, Steve, and it went from that to a movie that suddenly had to bear all this pressure. I agree. And 
as, as I said, I definitely separated myself from that thought while I was watching it. But as far as now taking that kind of macro view, I do wonder what this means. It is the same question we asked at the end of Batman versus Superman, and it's a little bit more of a question. <laughs> it's a little bit more urgent. Exactly what is going on? And does the sort of positive reception of the footage they showed at Comic-Con, there was some Justice League footage and the Wonder Woman trailer, that stuff was pretty well received and I think can give you hope that maybe they have started to course correct and maybe this film was too far along to really course correct. But what I'm wondering is, was the rough and tumble version of this movie maybe before they went back to beef it up, was there maybe a better movie that was more at home with what we considered kind of David Ayer's aesthetic? No, I think that is absolutely the case. I mean, there was an article in Hollywood Reporter just basically that there were two different cuts of the movie. Like, you know, where basically one was like a more of a, I guess, a lighter version. And, uh, you know, the other being like, I think more of that rougher director's type cut. And um, from what that article was saying, basically, like they agreed to like basically merge the two. And I think that makes a lot of sense from what you see, because it just seems like you know, that, that studio version of the movie um, put a lot of pressure on, you know, I guess satisfying this, like, void that was not being met. And maybe you're right. Maybe it was just too far along where, like, they had these cuts and they did these reshoots and they did these, like, you know, these, like, Frankensteining of this movie just to kind of make it work. But um, I don't know. I, I would definitely read that article if I were you. Like, if anybody out there hasn't seen it, it's a, it's on Hollywood Reporter. I think IGN reported on it too, but basically just talking about how they screened both of these cuts and like the agreement was is that like there were things to take out of both that were positive from the, the test audiences and they basically like cut those two films together and and, and, and as they saw fit and uh, man, I'm sure like next week you'll hear like, oh, well, there's going to be the ultimate cut, which is the director's cut like on DVD. <laughs> so you can see how the movie was really meant to be seen. And it's just like, just fucking put that movie in the theaters. Right. Just let us see that movie. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll, I'm sure we'll know next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, man. All right. Well, I, yeah, I, I, that's all I got to say about Suicide Squad. Yeah. Same here. Just really sad. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're so upset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ronald. <laughs> I wanted it to work, man. I wanted it to work. But it's, you know. It wasn't meant to be, Ronald. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. Um, so I think that's going to wrap up this episode 168.5 of Suicide Squad uh, discussion on Movie Schmovie. If you want to hit us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Movie Schmovie or movieschmovie.com. Um, we have past episodes. You can shoot us any ideas at movieshmovie at gmail.com if you have episode ideas um, or you know topics you'd like us to discuss. And of course, iTunes, Google Music, Google Play, Stitcher, anything you know, usually where you can get a podcast, you can probably find us. So if you could you know subscribe or stream it and whichever you choose to do, if there's an opportunity to rate it or share it, um, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, that's all I got. And as always, you've made our day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.